0: Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Friends, welcome to week two of our series is called Enough. We are in the book of Hebrews during Lent and considering this idea that Jesus is enough for us. So I went looking this week for the best jokes to use for this sermon series. Um, they're pretty limited, unfortunately, um, especially in the sense that the punchline for every joke is the same. So when you go to the Holy Land, maybe you've been to the Holy Land, you know this. Um, in all the breweries, there's only men. And if you want to brew beer in, in the Holy Land, you have to be a guy. Do you know that? The Bible says it. Do you know what the Bible says? Hebrews. Hebrews. I told you it's not very good. Um, how does Abraham make his tea? Hebrew. How does Moses make his coffee? Hebrews. Israeli good. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Oh, that's ridiculous. So let's get to work here, friends. Um, during Lent, we are studying Hebrews. And again, the main point of Hebrews is the sufficiency of of Jesus, and that's why we're calling our series Enough, because the he- book of Hebrews is clear: Jesus is enough for our salvation, for our peace and contentment, for abundant life. And so let's just do a little recap, where we've been, where we're going. Chapter 1 of Hebrews, Christ is the heir and the creator. Chapter 2, we said you've got to watch out for drift. You've got to be careful that you don't drift away from faith in Christ. Chapter 3, which we are not going to preach on, talks about how Christ is greater than Moses. Now, if you're keeping up with your readings according to our Timberlake reading plan for Hebrews, you'll read chapter 3 this week. I think it's Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, by the way, you can follow with our reading plan through your Church Center app on your phone, or you can follow through the website, and we'll send you an email tomorrow and every Monday to keep up with the reading plan, so I hope that you'll be reading with us as we go through the book of Hebrews. Today is chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. We're going to talk about the promise of rest, and then next Sunday we're going to talk some about the second half of chapter 4, which is the role of Jesus as our high priest. Uh, But for today, the first 11 verses of chapter 4. So let's get into it. Ready? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest is still open, let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it. All right. So put on your Bible scholar hat for a moment. What words jump out to you as theologically significant in this verse? When you read the Bible and you're studying it, you're doing a close reading, one of the things you want to do is just look for key words. So key words, just shout it out. What do you see? Promise, therefore, what else? Rest. Someone said, take care. Okay, good. You've got them, right? That's exactly right. Therefore, promise, rest, take care. So the author is reminding us that we need to take care, we need to pay attention, because there is a promise, and it is still available for us. It is still open. Open is a really good word in this verse. And the promise is for Rest. The promise is for rest. Theologically, what does rest mean in Hebrews? Well, how do we know that? Well, one of the ways to know that is you go into the remainder of the Scriptures and look and see how the Bible defines rest in other places. And then you bring those ideas back to Hebrews 4 and use that as an interpretive lens to interpret what the author of Hebrews is saying to us. This is what John Wesley used to say as Scripture interprets Scripture. So when you're not sure about what one part of the Bible means, you read it in the context of another part of the Bible and you make it make sense. So rest means a lot of different things. We're going to talk about four of the meanings of the word rest. And the first is the promised land. The promised land. When Abraham and God made a covenant together, God promised Abraham two things. Do you remember what they were? Children. Very good. And land. Very good. A home. So descendants and a home. Right. So that is the promised land. And the promised land is a good land flowing with milk and honey, and it's beautiful and right, and it is a place of rest, For the children of Israel. This is how Deuteronomy 12 puts it. Therefore, in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and rejoice. You will cross the Jordan and settle in the land. Okay, this is the promised land. In the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. And he will give you what? Rest from all your enemies around you so that you will live in safety. Why is this such a significant promise for the children of Israel? Well, think about who the Israelites were in Egypt. Who were the Israelites in Egypt? They were slaves. And guess what? Slaves don't get to rest, do they? Slaves don't get a day off. Slaves don't have peace. Slaves don't live in safety. And so God is promising his children, look, when you come to the land I am giving you, I have delivered you out of Egypt, and I'm bringing you into a good land flowing with milk and honey, and there will be a place of safety and of rest for you. Friends, this is why it's so significant because the Israelites have not had this kind of rest in hundreds and hundreds of years. First meaning of rest in Hebrews is the Promised Land. Second meaning of rest in Hebrews is Sabbath. Do you know about Sabbath? The Sabbath for Jews and Christians is a day of worship and a day of rest. And it is commanded in the covenant, in the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20 says this, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. To the Lord your God you shall not do any work. And so when Hebrews promises rest, there is a pointing to the restoration of the created order. So things are being put back in right relationship according to how God has intended them in the beginning. So that you might have a day to not have to work and worry and stress, but simply be simply exist in the presence of God. Now, what I want you to notice about Sabbath rest is the way in which the world resists it. I want you to notice the way in which we resist it. We have been conditioned to equate rest with laziness, haven't we? Somewhere, somewhere along the line, someone taught us that if you stop to rest, it's because you're lazy. Now, how do I know that? Because at my house, (laughs) when I, I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say. When I come home from work and my wife is laying on the couch and she's resting, do you know what she says to me when I walk in the door? She says, good good evening, uh, welcome home. But then she says, I promise I was doing work right before you got here. I've only been laying on the couch for five minutes. I swear I was doing laundry and dishes and I was sending emails. I was working. And what do I say? Of course, I believe you. My wife is one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. There's never a question about her work ethic, but she feels guilty, right? About laying down to rest. Have you noticed even when we try to rest our bodies, our minds don't always rest? Friends, our minds are racing with the to-do list and the obligations and what will people think if they see me resting. Friends, the grace of God is not only rest for you, it is rest without guilt. Rest without guilt is what Hebrews promises from God. The third meaning of rest is communion with Christ. Communion with Christ. Matthew 11 Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't that sound good, friends? We could use some rest Right now, this is the invitation of Jesus. When you are burdened, when you are weighed down, when you are stressed with the stressors of life and you're concerned with yourself or especially for someone else, and there's someone in your life that is stressing you or you're worried about them or they're sick or they need a job or whatever it is, and you carry that burden, Jesus says, Look, come to me and lay it down at my feet. Lay it down at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus says, I will give you rest. And so notice, friends, rest is not just physical, is it? Rest is spiritual. There is a spiritual rest for the people of God, and it is found in communion with Christ. When you have relationship with Jesus, He can give you the kind of rest, a kind of peace in your soul where you are at peace, and you can say, it is well with my soul, as we sung earlier, even when the circumstances around you are terrible. You see, communion with Christ means you can have peace and rest even when your circumstances are not good because God is still good. We can have this rest now, and we praise God that we can have it now. We don't have to wait for the future. But I want to remind you that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And so the fourth meaning of rest in Hebrews is, do you know, heaven. Heaven, absolutely. Revelation 14 says this. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, they will what? Rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the author of the new covenant in his blood, and he has promised all the children of God an eternal inheritance that we can receive rest from God by the grace of Jesus Christ in heaven, because we've been set free from the law of sin and death. And I love what Revelation says. It says, blessed are the dead, right? Blessed are the dead. Imagine if we really believe that, that the dead are blessed, and how can they be blessed? Because when you die in Christ, even as you lived in Christ, you are in the nearer presence of God. And when you die in Christ, you await the resurrection so that when Jesus comes back, he's going to say, children of God, stand up. And all of the followers of Jesus are going to be raised from the dead, and you will spend eternity in heaven with God and all the saints. That is the promise. That is the promise of rest. And I want you to imagine heaven is like a garden, and it's peaceful, And there's birds singing and flowers blooming and there's a stream running through it with living water and Jesus is there and all the saints are there and what you have in heaven is rest. Rest. So to summarize, rest is found at the promised land, rest is found on the Sabbath, rest is found in communion with Christ, rest is found in heaven. How many of you could use some rest right now in your life? Me too. Me too, friends. Me too. It feels full. Life feels full. It feels busy. It feels stressful. I worry about some things. Uh, I'm longing for that rest. And here it is. This is the promise. This is the promise. Go back to verse 1. Let's look at it again. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest is still open, okay? So the promise still stands. It's still good. It's still intact. Let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it okay so along with this promise comes a word of warning a word of exhortation do not miss it do not fail to enter into this rest what does that look like well make some connections friends between the different kinds of rest Um, do you know what happens when you neglect the sabbath rest you fail to have communion with christ and so the different kinds of rest go together don't they Don't neglect the Sabbath because you don't want to neglect communion with Christ. Uh, Do you know what happened when the children of Israel disobeyed God? They did not enter into the promised land, right? God had consequences for them. So the author of Hebrews is saying, now don't you miss it also. Don't miss your promised land. And guess what? Your promised land is not in Canaan. It is in heaven. And the promised land on earth is simply a foretaste. It's a preview of the eternal promised land that God has for us in heaven. So take care, Hebrews says. Take care that you do not fail to reach it. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 2. For indeed, the good news came to us just as to them, that is to the Israelites. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So the message of salvation goes out to everyone, and those for whom it is beneficial are those who have what? Faith. Friends, faith is the key that unlocks the door to salvation. So when, the, when Hebrews says, come and walk in, this is not some kind of work where you have to labor and earn it and try to make yourself good for God, not at all. This is the open door, and all you have to do is walk through the doorway, is the doorway of grace. It is the invitation. It is the gate of heaven for you to walk in and come in through the grace of Jesus Christ because His grace is enough for you. Verse 3. Says, for we who have believed enter that rest, just as God said, As in my anger I swore, they shall not enter my rest, though his works were finished at the foundation of the world. This is actually a quotation from Psalm 95. So, again, notice the way that the scripture connects one to another Old Testament, New Testament. Okay, uh, God is saying, I, In my anger, I swore to myself, I'm not going to let them enter my rest. Okay, so again, briefly the story the children of Israel disobey God, their want. They're going their own way. They're worshiping a golden calf instead of the living God. And God says to himself, fine, enough. You know, there's a consequence for your sin. If that seems far-fetched to you, imagine being a parent. Imagine having children who disobey you or grandchildren who are naughty, right? Do you ever get exasperated with the children in your life? And you're like, are you kidding me? I've told you this a hundred times, right? And they still don't do it. And so there's consequences, right? There's consequences. And so there's consequences for Israel. The good news of Jesus Christ is the way is still open, friends. The way is not shut. It is open for us. Verse 4. For in one place it speaks about the seventh day as follows, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Okay, so Sabbath is built into creation itself, right? In seven days God made... All of the things that are in the world, God made the heaven and the earth and the stars and the sun and the moon, and God made all the animals. And on the seventh day of creation, God rested. Now, why did God rest? Do you know? Because he was tired? No, God doesn't get tired. No, you get tired and I get tired, but the Lord does not get tired. The reason God rested, I think, this is my interpretation. I think the reason God rested, one, is to enjoy what he has made. To look around and say, oh, isn't this good? And the the Bible says in Genesis that um, God would go on walks in the garden in the cool of the evening with Adam and with Eve. And the second reason, I think, is to declare, finally, this is perfect just the way it is. You know, God doesn't need to go on tinkering with it and messing with it and improving it because it's already very good just the way God has made it. So God takes a break to enjoy and to declare that this is good. Now, uh, think about the Sabbath from the point of view of Adam and Eve, okay? On which day in creation of the seven days of creation, on which day were humans made? Do you know? Say it louder. The sixth day. That's right. The sixth day they were made. And so then on, on the next morning, on the seventh day, when Adam and Eve wake up, what do they wake up to? They don't wake up to an alarm clock, and they don't wake up to a to-do list and hurry up and get yourself ready and get your kids ready and go to work, right? What is the seventh day when they wake up? Rest. It's Sabbath. Do you understand what this means? It means they did not earn their rest. They did not work a full work week, you know, and then say, okay, finally, I've earned this break. No. Sabbath is a gift. All they did was receive it. They didn't have time to earn it. All they did was receive it Friends, rest is a gift. Rest is the grace of God. It's not something that you you deliberately earn by working harder so you can take time off. No. Rest is a gift. It is the grace of God. Skip ahead to the end of this passage. So then, a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from His Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through such disobedience as theirs. Friends, this is the good news. The good news of the gospel, according to Hebrews, a Sabbath rest still remains. Do you understand what that means? It means the gate of heaven is still open, the invitation is still available to you, and Jesus is inviting you, come in. Come in. The Bible says, come in and eat with him and he with you, and you will have fellowship with the Lord at his table in his heaven. Do not harden your heart. Today is the day. Today is the day, and some of you have been praying about this, and some of you have been wondering about this, and some of you have been saying, Lord, you know, just show me. I'm ready. I'm listening. I'm looking, and just give me the sign. This is your sign right now. The Scripture has been opened, and there's a stirring in your heart right now because you say, oh, I could just use some rest. You know, I've been wandering, and I've been striving after it, and I need this rest that only Jesus can give me. And whether that rest is for you the promised land or the Sabbath or communion with Christ or the assurance that you are going to heaven when Jesus comes back. Regardless of how you're thinking about rest, here's what I need you to understand. It's only accessible through Jesus. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, and he is inviting you to come. So I'm inviting you right now to make a commitment to him. I'm inviting you to make a commitment to believe in Jesus and have the assurance that you can have heaven with him and all the saints forever and ever. Now, maybe you've made this commitment before, and it's a chance to do it again. Or maybe you've never made this commitment before in your life. Friends, I'm inviting you right now to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. And so our musicians are going to come, and they're going to play. And, and uh, if you'd like, uh, you're, you can come forward. And uh, some of our pastors will be here at the front of the room to pray with you, if you'd like to have someone to pray with you. Or you can just pray right where you are at your seat. But what I want you to know about this time is this time is for you. This Sabbath day, God has set it aside for you. The Bible says it's, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made, was made for humans. This day is a gift for you. This moment, there's nothing more important in your whole life. I know you've got other things on your mind today. There's nothing more important in your whole life than this moment right now and what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Jesus Christ is inviting you in, and you're invited to receive him. If you want us to pray for you, come forward. Otherwise, pray right where you are.